0: paper and i'm kirk schrutner if you can hear me back there in the fourth car please wave your hands
1: (laughs) that's gonna be funny to everybody in about a year
0: (laughs) (laughs) and for all of our tour guide friends out there listening thank you how you doing steve i'm doing great how are you i'm doing great you know i've been really going through a lot of the feedback we've gotten off the first couple of episodes thank you all for for that feedback and and i'm just really happy to know that people are enjoying it just as much as we're having fun putting it together.
1: Yeah, I know. It's a good feeling. And uh, thank you all for listening. And we hope to give you more and more content that you will love just as much as the first two episodes. But that means this is episode three. Didn't think we'd make it this far. (laughs) But here we are. And, uh, I don't know about you, but last week with the rock bands, that was some hard stuff to pare down to a top 10 list.
0: There were so many good acts. I, I had a tough time. What about you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've had some great conversations with people on Facebook, um, in person, just emails and such that say, how could you leave this off? How could you, you know, and it always goes back as you and I've talked about, it always comes back to great. If you want to put them on the list, who comes off the list? And that's what makes these conversations and these these debates so so worthwhile. I, I I love doing it, and I look forward to having more of them with this week's category. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: this one was a tough one, also. But uh, we'll get into that in just a second. And, and we know last week was a really long show, so thanks for bearing with us. Uh, from the sound of it, that not too many of you were bored from it, so that's good. But we we promise to make things a little more concise because we know that's where it'll be best for everybody involved. So. This week is going to be the top 10 list for best sitcoms of all time. Looking forward to it. And I went first last week. So, Kirk, that means you're on the spot to go first this time. What is your number 10 sitcom? Number
0: 10. My number 10 sitcom. Well, I do want to remind everybody that this is the first time you're hearing my list. That's right. And it'll be the first time I'm hearing your list. So any reactions we have are honest and earnest. And it's it's the, the conversations that Steve and I have. Had for years and years and years. Um, Any reactions I have to you are purely chemical, just so we know. Absolutely. So I've got my top 10. Just to give you an idea of some of the shows that bubbled under, that didn't quite make it. Um, if you're a fan of news radio or Golden Girls or The Good Place, sorry, I'm going to disappoint you. So with my first choice at number 10, uh, this was the first sitcom I really became aware of as a, a teenager. Um, realizing that it wasn't like a lot of the sitcoms I'd seen previously in the sixties, this was the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, it aired in 1970 to 1977, 168 episodes. Um, and it was the first sitcom I realized was a little bit different. Um, it was more conversational humor. It was less set up the punchline, give the punchline humor. Um, it was truly an ensemble. Uh, the supporting cast was just as funny as Mary Tyler Moore, and she let them have their space and let them shine as well. Um, uh, and it was really, you know, part of that wave of comedies that started coming on CBS after they decided to get rid of what they called the the rural comedies, the Beverly Hillbillies, the Green Acres, the Petticoat Junctions, et cetera. So it also didn't hurt that I had a huge crush on Mary Tyler Moore. Ever since the Dick Van Dyke Show, so I was predisposed to like the show uh, from the beginning. So my number ten is the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Yeah.
1: If you had to say who were your two, two or three favorite guest stars or supporting roles that that weren't Mary? Supporting roles.
0: I, I mean, if you're not talking regulars, if you're not talking like a Ted Knight uh, or or uh, uh, Betty White, I mean, Betty White probably is in that that mm-hmm. that you know, guest star-ish uh, kind of thing. Um, you know, obviously the supporting cast was terrific, whether it was Rhoda, um, you know, Valerie Harper, whether it was uh, uh, Phyllis. <laughs> Cloris Leachman. yeah, <laughs> Leachman, sorry, doing the Frau Blucher thing there. Um, <laughs> I mean, just really, really good people, you know, all along the way, even Julie Kavner, I'm going to say her name wrong, K- Kavner, um, mm-hmm. as Rhoda's sister, you know, that was her launching pad and she's still working, you know, to this day. So, yes, she is. she you know, Mary Tyler Moore show was just a great Saturday night, you know, appointment viewing. And and again, it, it made my list just number 10.
1: And Julie's still the voice of Marge Simpson, yeah. isn't she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, before I get to my number 10, a uh, couple of things that you won't see on my list are uh, The Big Bang Theory, which I think you mentioned, and Friends. You will not see those two on my list. My number 10 is The Office. It's uh, the American remake of a British uh, hit. I know... A lot of the lists that you read and everything in the office is really, really high on their list. And it is a very funny show. But, you know, it's uh, it's that mockumentary uh, style, which I, I do like that. It's a, that defunctional office staff. Um, but I really think it was definitely stronger in its first three to four seasons. Even though in the latter season, it still provided a lot of good laughs and storylines. I just think there was a bit of a plateau or a drop-off for me. A lot of that might have started going hand-in-hand hand once Steve Carell left as well. Um, but... A lot of good people uh, in the cast, uh, such as uh, Jenna Fisher, John Krasnick, uh, Rain Wilson, Craig Robinson, BJ Novick, Ed Helms, uh, you know, just Mindy Kaling just goes on. There's a really nice cast. Uh, but uh, I think, you know, part of the reason for me is just to watch all those deadpan reactions of the office staff looking at the, Steve, the stupid things that Steve Carell's character would say. Uh, very funny, not any higher than number 10 for me personally, but that's my number
0: 10. Yeah. The office didn't make mine e- either version of the office didn't make mine. Uh, I thought it was a little one note. Unfortunately, I loved all the performances. I loved all of the, the actors that, that you mentioned, but to me, it just seemed like kind of the same thing over and over again. And I might've missed it again. Send your cards and letters to me care of populist podcast.net. Uh, but the office did not make my list. What made your number nine on your list? Number nine. My number nine, again, send those cards and letters. This is a little bit out of the box, but my number nine was The Monkees. Nice. Ran from 66 to 1968, 56 episodes. This is the shortest amount of episodes on my list. But honestly, without The Monkees, there is no MTV. And that's going to be a recurring theme through my list, which is what are those shows that had an influence then, and continued to have an influence afterwards as well. Uh, Also had one of the best nicknames in TV history. If the Beatles were the Fab Four, the Monkees were called the Prefab Four because they were assembled to be that youthful group to appeal to the kids. But they broke through the original idea, which was just this kind of zany, silly thing. They took a lot of the inspiration from um, Hard Day's Night the the style and tone from Harvest Day Night and the Beatles. In fact, Mickey Dolan said that John Lennon said the Beatles got us. It's like the Marx Brothers. And that's exactly what it was. It was that youthful exuberance. It was a little bit of, you know, how much can we get away with? And it was just this, this wonderful acknowledgement of the youth movement going on at that time that, again, continued to resonate through the late 60s, into the 70s, into the MTV generation and beyond. So I've got the monkeys at number nine.
1: Yeah, man, that was a must-see TV after school for me <laughs> almost every week. Absolutely, every week. And I've had the pleasure of working with three of the monkeys. Uh, very nice guys: uh, Mickey Dolans, David Jones, and Peter Torque. Uh, didn't meet Mike Nismith, but I hear he's great too. <laughs>
0: um, my number nine, and his mother, who Mike Nesmith's mother invented what? Uh, post-its, right? Post-it notes, a liquid, liquid paper. paper. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. Yep.
1: Um, uh, my number nine is what your number ten was, the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Uh created by James Brooks. I love all James Brooks shows, uh, because he would always laugh pre- by all of the jokes preceding by like a minute, and you hear his very distinctive laugh in the background, which is kind of a ha, ha, ha hilarious stuff. Um groundbreaking show for women. Uh it was a strong Intelligent, independent, single woman in her 30s, taking on life and her career and working with all these strong personalities within the office at her uh, Minneapolis Minneapolis television station. Um, And Mary herself was a strong anchor for this cast because I'm sure there were a lot of strong personalities within the cast itself, uh, both on stage and off. But the show's strength for me didn't really lie in any historical episodes or anything like that uh, but more in its consistency every single episode delivered it was smooth it was like a cadillac you know it was just gonna come at you you knew you weren't going to be disappointed you were going to laugh a lot and where they may not have the single episodes that are in the annals of sitcom history uh, they are Just always, always really, really good. Uh, They did have that one great episode, uh, Chuckles Bites the Dust, where the uh, the party got on (laughs) top and Mary goes to the funeral. That one is classy. If you haven't seen that, folks, look it up, watch that one. If you're going to watch one Mary Tyler Moore episode, that's the one. But 29 Emmys for the show on different various categories, so they were doing something right. That's my number nine.
0: No, great choice. Uh, Again, I put it on my list, so of course I have to say great choice. (laughs) Terrific supporting cast. You know, Gavin McLeod, Ted Knight, uh, Georgia Angle. I mean, Ed Asner. Yep. Nobody ever saw Ed Asner as a comedic actor before the Mary Tyler Moore show. He was always the heavy in the things that you saw uh, him in. And for him to to really show this other side of him, I thought was terrific. Uh, really enjoyable show. It, it 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 has to go on any top 10 list when it comes to sitcoms, whether it's yours, mine, or whoever puts it together. Concur. What's your number eight? number eight my number eight well you gave me a good lead in with with the james brooks reference because i'm going to cite another james brooks show and that is a show that ran from 1978 to 1983 uh taxi uh ran on nbc for the last season but it was on abc for the first four seasons um not only was this just a great cast and great characters for them to play um Again, going back to my recurring theme, it was a launching pad for even more people. Um, People that that worked on this show went on to work on The Simpsons and Cheers and Frazier and Coach and Will and Grace, uh, people who are still contributing today. Uh, You can take back to Taxi and, again, drawing the line back even further, Mary Tyler Moore Show uh, as well. Uh, But one of the things that really stands out for me about Taxi is, in my opinion, it was the best pilot episode of any sitcom I've ever seen in that first 30 minutes, you met all of the characters, you knew exactly who they were, you knew exactly what you were going to get. And they still told a fun story within that 30 minutes as well. Uh, it's still a show that I will go back and watch uh, Yeah, out of my private collection all the time. Just was it was so much fun to watch these people work. Um, it was a funny show. It was a poignant show. Uh, just a terrific collection of actors performances writers and that's kind of a given with all the shows we're talking about right now they all had great casts they all had great writers they all had great performances uh but taxi is is my number 8 yeah
1: love it um didn't make my list and it pains me for it uh it has i think gosh it might be my favorite sitcom episode of all time and it's the one where they uh bring Reverend Jim, played by Christopher Lloyd, bring him into the group, and then they take him to the DMV to get his license so he could drive the cab. And it's that What oh.
0: does a yellow light
1: mean? <laughs> and the cutaways to Judd Hirsch and Bobby Conway and Tony Danza are just getting all freaked out because they're not supposed to talk to the guy taking the test, and they're going, slow down. And by the time they run through that, and Christopher Lloyd keeps slowing down, but by the time they get to the end, he's literally going, what? And then beat Beat, 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 does, beat, 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 oh, yellow, it's just painful. It's so great. Well,
0: you know, it's funny. During that sequence, that's the funny part. People remember that. But my favorite part of that sequence, as they're asking him questions on the application, they say, you know, have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? Have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? And then they say, okay, what about drugs or alcohol? And he just looks up bewildered and says, oh, that's a tough choice. (laughs) Just... Picture-perfect writing. Just a a great ensemble. Good show. That's my number eight. And
1: good good one. Christopher Lloyd might be one of the best characters in all sitcoms of all time. Concur. Yeah. Um, My number eight is a classic. I think one of the most uh, important sitcoms to the history and success of all sitcoms, and that is Norman Lear's All in the Family. Nine seasons long, or yeah, nine seasons, 208 episodes, 22 Emmys, eight Golden Globes, and a an highly controversial show. Uh, but that's exactly what Norman Lear wanted. Uh, it's the most watched show of all time, and it had one of the biggest antiheroes of all time, and at least one of the earliest appearances of an antihero before that became in vogue. Uh, but Lear wanted more than a show with just a bunch of jokes strung together. He wanted to mirror things that would happen in the real world, and he did that through the Bunker family with Archie and Edith, his wife that he called Dingbat all the time, and Meathead, played by Rob uh, Rob Reiner, his son-in-law Mike Stivic, and Sally Struthers, his daughter Gloria, and it was basically just a one, you know, one or two set show. But all this stuff happened, and they took on different challenges for life of racism and religion and things like uh, swingers. There was an episode where they met swingers, <laughs> and they definitely were anything but the swinger type. Um, And then is dealing with the family that moved in to the neighborhood. And that was the Jeffersons, uh, Sherman Hemsley, Isabel Sanford and Mike Evans as their son, Lionel. Uh, and Archie was a bigot and he had to deal with this and, you know, it was tough and it was, we got to watch every single week how he would learn his lessons and move on. So great show, important show. That's my number eight.
0: Well, it's funny, you know, as you talk about it, you go, okay, You know, a bigot lives in the neighborhood and the black family moves in next door and stories have to deal with that. I mean, that's substantive, substantive. You can edit this out. Substance. This has substance today, let alone in 1970 when this wasn't being done. I mean, this was remarkable stuff. Um, I've got all in the family uh, a little bit later on my list, so I'll save all of my witty thoughts for that. But I think all the family again. Deserves to be on any top 10 list when you talk about situation comedies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. About the only ding that I could give it is just the fact that it was older and it was limited really to just a couple sets, usually. That's what
0: dropped it down a little on my list. And anyway, what's your number seven? Number seven. My number seven is Cheers. Uh 1982, 1993 271 episodes. I mean, that's amazing. Um, very much like taxi. Uh in fact, uh, James Burroughs and the Charles brothers actually left Taxi to create Cheers uh, after the third season of Taxi. Um, and it's very much like Taxi in the idea that it's a workplace comedy. Um, you've got a bunch of unique, interesting characters that kind of orbit the flawed leading character, whether it was Alex Rieger in Taxi or whether it was Sam Malone uh, in Cheers. Uh, but by even by the middle of the first season, that cast was a well-oiled machine. I mean, watching them work was watching a a good basketball team, move the ball around. I mean, they were they were flawless. They were absolutely terrific. And the fact that you didn't even notice this because you're enjoying the work so much, it says even more. Um, Cheers is one of those shows that, that I watched from beginning to end, look forward to every episode all along the way, had fun talking to people about it when you go back to work on, on Monday. Uh, and it also had one of my favorite scenes in any sitcom. And that was the final scene of the final episode when Sam Malone is responding to somebody knocking on the door and he says, we're closed. And as he walks out, he straightens the picture of Geronimo, which was the picture that Nicholas Colasanto, the actor who played coach, kept yeah. in his dressing room. And then they put on the set to acknowledge his loss after he passed away, I think after the third or fourth season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he just straightened the picture and walked out. And I just thought that was just such a sweet, poignant moment uh, to, to cap off the wonderful run of this show. Uh, so cheers is my, uh, my number seven.
1: Yeah. It's, um, an amazing show. Definitely amazing show. Uh, and a great, ep- that episode, that final episode was one of the better final episodes, uh, around. If you had to pick two other episodes that really stood out to you, do you have those?
0: Ooh. Um, I think Fraser's bachelor party. No. Yeah. Was one of mine, it, you know, to, to see a, a, a stuffed shirt like Fraser Crane, wonderfully portrayed by Kelsey Grammer, look up at the group and say, I think the mantra of the evening and I'm paraphrasing the line. I think the mantra of the evening should be everybody have fun tonight. Everybody Wang Chung tonight <laughs> It was, was just, you know, it was such a dry deadpan guy who's trying to relate to people using pop culture and having no idea what he's doing kind of thing, but it was sweet. It was endearing. Uh, it, it was, it was terrific. I, I, I really, I, I really liked that episode, but honestly, it's like trying to pick one of your favorite kids the, the, all the episodes really, really did play very well.
1: Right. I remember the one episode where uh, there was a competition going on between Sam and Henri, the French bartender who was filling in for a little while and they had to get Uh, X amount of women to commit to dates before midnight or whatever. And then Sam could have won in the last minute, but it was like a Miss Lonely Hearts type character and he didn't want to take advantage of her. So he just sacrificed the contest, didn't do it. So Henri wins and he rings the bell and he goes, I won, I won, France wins, France wins, to which Norm says, you don't hear that very often.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great lines. My favorite line for the show is when uh, Diane brought in a mime to entertain yeah. the crowd at Cheers. <laughs> and Sam's like, Diane, you better get him out of here or there's going to be Clown White all over these walls. <laughs> uh, really great. Just good stuff. You never didn't laugh when you watched an episode of Cheers. Yep.
1: And uh, we will talk about that a little more on my list for sure. Uh, my number seven, however, is a show that I just really love. And it's not on a lot of people's top tens. Um It is a newer show, but it's done kind of in an old style, and it is the show How I Met Your Mother. Um, I like the show because, one, the whole premise is kind of cool because all the episodes are small stories about the overall writing story of the series, which is how the narrator, which is the Ted character, uh, how he met the mother of his two kids who he's telling the story to. And so every single episode is just another little piece to that big story. Uh, whether it pertains directly to finding that woman or not, um, it's it's a cool concept. It's a great cast. It's just one smooth series from beginning to end, kind of like the Mary Tyler Moore show. How I describe that. Uh, there's a lot of comedy in it, but there's also a lot of angst and love and pain, but amongst the free uh, relationship between the the main five people. Uh, very strong cast. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris is amazing as Barney. Uh, He's the ultimate wingman, the ultimate uh, ladies man, kind of like Ted Danson's character in Cheers, but with more of a smarmy side to him. Um, but smart scripts overall, uh, Josh Radner, uh, Kobe Smulders, Neil Patrick Harris, Jason Segel, Allison Hannigan, uh, great stuff. Uh, some great episodes like the slap bet and slap thanks or slap giving. Um, uh, just really, really good stuff. How I Met Your Mother.
0: You know, it's I, I would agree with you. It's a great show. Didn't make my list, but to keep people engaged for over 200 episodes when you finally pay it off with the final episode, they did a great job of doing that. Uh, they filled in the blanks. They, they created some wonderful characters. Uh, you know, the the Neil Patrick Harris character, Barney, you know, was, as he would say, legend. Wait for it. Derry. Derry. <laughs> uh, and that's another thing that I think a lot of the shows that we have all have these lines you can call back to all these, these great phrases that you can use in casual conversations with friends, etc. cetera. Uh, so I, I completely understand why you got them on the top 10. It was one of mine that bubbled under, but didn't quite make my top 10. What made your number six? Number six. My number six completes the, the taxi cheers trilogy with Frazier. Uh, I know it's kind of tough to put Frasier above Cheers. Um, I just thought it was a little more than Cheers. And what I mean by that was it was a little more elegant. It was a little more sharp. Uh, They took all of the lessons they learned with Cheers and applied it towards Frasier. And really, this is kind of the graduation from Taxi to Cheers to Frasier. I love the fact that the entire main cast was together for the full 11-year run of the show. The show could be farce it could be dark. It could be a romantic copy. It could be anything it wanted to be. And the characters were so rich and so defined and so easily could have become caricatures. When you've got stuffed shirts like Niles and Frazier, when you've got the grouchy old man like, like Martin, their father, when you've got the ditzy housekeeper like Daphne Moon, but none of them ever devolved into caricatures. And the dialogue was always smart. The situations were always fun. Again, it was appointment television. I love the fact that they, they didn't lean too heavily on the cheers connection. I think Diane showed up maybe four times during the series run. Sam only showed up once. I think Norm maybe showed up once, you know, so it wasn't like, like the cheers guest star of the week. Um, they had some great supporting characters where they needed them the radio station, people like Bulldog, people like Gil Chesterton, uh, the barista over at the coffee shop they would go to. It was a small little show, but it was incredibly well-written, incredibly well-cast, and I just really admired what they were able to do. So, Frasier is my number six.
1: Yeah, love that show, and spoiler, I'll be talking about it in just a couple minutes. Uh, Fantastic show. My number six is a show that... I never ever thought would be on this list. Um, I had to be drag kicking and screaming once upon a time to continue watching it. Uh, and mm-hmm. that show is Parks and Recreation. Um, the first season of Parks and Recreation is nowhere. Um sorry. sorry. It, it's too dependent on Amy Poehler. It's wasn't very good. And I stopped watching almost everything I read on the reviews and all my friends who have seen it and they, it has a lots of fans said, Don't even bother Start in season two, episode one, which I did. And I couldn't put it down. It was a completely different show. It was so much more smart. Uh, Also shot kind of in that mockumentary style, but it became so much more of an ensemble show. And the humor was even better and sharper and crisp. And there was callback jokes and so much more for guys like Nick Offerman and Rashida Jones to do. The additions of Adam Scott and later Rob Lowe were big things uh, for them. Uh, Chris Pratt, Aziz Ansari, uh, Aubrey Plaza—really good, good stuff uh, by a great cast. Uh, it's funny. It tackles a lot of different subjects, and it does it in a very offbeat humor way. Um, and it hooked me. And uh, I still have like one season left to go, but I—it made such a big leap in improvement. And it, I think it is so smart in so many ways that it—it uh, it made my
0: list as number six. Call me impressed. Well, let me ask you a question. It's not on mine. Um a lot of modern comedies aren't um for me I think you need longevity. I think you need staying power. I think you need you know a number of things that only time can give you. But let me ask you if you were to do this list again in a year, do you still think it would be as high as number 6 on your list?
1: Um well that also depends, you know, on what's going to come along in the in the future too. Something you might them upgrade, like Ted Lasso, which is a new show that I'm watching only has one season, but man, it's off to a great start. So I'm having fun watching that too. Yeah, it's, I I love that show. Um, but Parks and Rec did have 125 episodes, seven seasons. So it's not like a really small sample size of a show that just lasted for three or so. Good point. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a good question and I don't know, but I got to tell you, I think for right now, yeah, it does stay on my list.
0: Well, I do like the cast. Uh, you know, there's what's not to like about Amy Poehler or Chris Pratt. You know, a a pre Jurassic Park, pre Guardians of the Galaxy, Chris Pratt. Um, yeah, you know, you know, they they did a great job in bringing some really talented, engaging people together. And I can see why it could make a top ten list. Didn't make mine, but I can see where it could make it.
1: Yeah, Nick Offerman is just fantastic. This dry curmudgeon. I'm your friend, but I'm not going to show you that I'm your friend. Kind of way, it's great. Right.
0: Let's move on. What's your number five? Number five. My number five is a perfect reflection of the Kennedy era. So we're going to go back a few years. Uh, this is the Dick Van Dyke Show, uh, nineteen sixty-one to nineteen sixty-six, one hundred and fifty-eight episodes. Uh, you know, let's just start with the fact that it's got an incredible your show of shows pedigree. Carl Reiner is the creator. Uh, you know, the characters that Maury Amsterdam and Rosemarie played were actually based on Mel Brooks and Selma Diamond, who were writers in the show of shows, writer's room, uh, which also included, you know, Neil Simon, Woody Allen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the cast had Broadway, huge Broadway credibility, vaudeville credibility. I mean, what what this cast brought to this this production uh, was really was really unique. Even Mary Tyler Moore was her second show, but she was a dancer. She was not known as an actress, and she was actually, you know, became a great comedic actress in this show. She became America's sweetheart. The neighbors were good. the 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 workplace was good, and in fact, this was one of the first work comps, meaning that not only did the 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 home life take center stage, but the workplace took center stage as well. And you had two very distinct cast of characters for both areas and dick van dyke was perfect as i'm using this phrase during our podcast quite a bit but he was the everyman he allowed the funny stuff to happen around him and we lived through him to see a lot of this stuff now granted he had some moments where he could stand out and do a song and dance or tell a joke or be funny but more often than not he was reacting to mary tyler moore getting her toes stuck in the the bathtub Or he was responding to his son, not liking his name of Rosebud. (laughs) So for me, the Dick Van Dyke show was just, you know, again, to use another phrase I'm using a lot, was just absolute comfort food and still remains so this day. So the Dick Van Dyke show is my number five sitcom of all time. Yeah, uh, God, so
1: easily could have made made my number 10. Everything he said is fantastic. That scene with Carl Reiner and the five wig heads with his toupees. On top of that. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, brilliant stuff. Great choice. My number five is also of that era. Um, It is I Love Lucy. Uh, perhaps the most important sitcom of all time in the fact that I really call it the mother of the modern sitcom. It gave... Birth to the way things are done now in sitcoms, uh, with uh, the way that they use the multi cameras, the way they built multiple sets, they actually traveled places for the first time. Unlike we talked about a few minutes ago with the honeymooners who were kind of just in one set, um, a show that was purely built as a star platform for Lucille Ball, uh. She and Desi were fantastic together. Uh, Vivian Vance, William Frawley, uh, as Ethel and Fred Mertz, are amazing. And it was the physical comedy that Lucy could do, along with the, the mugging and the, the just the standard joke delivery. It's the beautiful physical comedy that she did. the The conveyor belt scene, the stomping the grapes scene, you know, just all the stuff that you remember. Uh, The uh, Vitamita Vegemine commercial. Just some Hallmark classic. Have you had some already? No. (laughs) 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 At least I'm not admitting that. (laughs) Every show you knew Lucy would get herself into trouble or she'd say a little lie that she'd have to get out of and you just loved watching her and Ethel try to make things better. Uh, It was the most watched show in four of its six seasons. Uh, All things in life come from something great that comes earlier on. And uh, to me, that's what this is in the sitcom world. It is that greater thing that gave birth and inspiration to all the great things that came later. So that's my number five. I love Lucy.
0: And it's funny you bring up. I love Lucy because number four, I love Lucy is my number four. I agree. It was the template for all sitcoms to follow. Um, I agree with everything you just said. Um, but it's funny, we, we look at I Love Lucy now and we think, of course, there's Lucy, there's Ricky, there's Fred, there's Ethel, of course this works. But what was interesting is back in 1950, CBS did not think that American audiences would buy Lucy married to a Cuban band leader. And they actually had Lucy and Ricky go out on the road and do cabaret shows all around the country, kind of test driving the material that I Love Lucy would be based on to see if it would play. And it worked. It worked all across the country. And that's what got them the deal to to go on to CBS. Now, what really was a big part of I Love Lucy, not only just the show in and of itself, but so many of the things that Lucy and Ricky asked for became standard bearers for what was going to define sitcoms down the road. They did not want to do the show in New York. They wanted it done in Hollywood. So it was done in Hollywood. They didn't want... Kinetoscopes of this being sent back and forth, so it was filmed. Thank God it was filmed. That allowed I Love Lucy to become the first syndicated show that made any kind of difference uh, in in the world of syndication. What was the old phrase that at some point there is an episode of I Love Lucy running somewhere in the world? It is one of the most beloved sitcoms of all time. It's hard not to put it higher on the list. But at the end of the day, it's still a show that was done in 1950. It was still a show that was helping to define the generation rather than being the generation. Uh, so my my number four is I Love Lucy.
1: Yep. We've said it all. I think it's a strong, strong show. My number four is something you mentioned earlier, and that is Cheers. Um, you said so much of it. That's great. Uh, and I totally agree with it. Um a lot of people don't know the bar itself was modeled after uh the bull and finch bar in boston uh which i believe is still standing um and uh it was it the longest running sitcom on nbc at, at the time eight straight years of the top 10 ratings number one in, 90, in the 19 to 91 season 28 emmys 111 nominations six golden globes a uh, fantastic show um it was sophisticated humor uh, it was a relatable daily situations and conversations, which everybody loved. And like you said, they would tune in every week waiting to see what these friends of theirs were going to do that week. Um, and it strove to be more challenging than the normal sitcoms. So it, it wasn't feeding you just dumb, obvious jokes. That They had that sometimes, especially with Coach and Woody. But the other guys were throwing really intelligent stuff at you. Um, there was an NBC promotions uh, exec who complained uh, because the show was so smart. He said, I don't know how to promote a show that makes Schopenhauer jokes. You know how to do this <laughs> dumb stuff. <laughs> but uh, it's a fantastic show. You said a lot of it. Um, I just uh, love the show altogether. And uh, so Cheers is my number four.
0: Nice. I, I Again, I, when you get to any of the shows on these lists, I could put them in any slot because yeah. they're, they're just that you good. really can. This is, this is the way these rank for me this week right now.
1: So, Kirk junior we're
0: to the top three. What is your number three? My number three, I'm going to steal a little bit of your thunder uh, right now. My number three is arguably the most popular show of all time, and that is The Adventures of the 407 Seventh MASH. Wow. Uh, ran from 72 to 83, 251 episodes. Um, it was an incredible show for the time. Uh, we were, as a country, we're just coming out of the Vietnam War. You know, Larry Gelbart, the creator of the show, Gene Reynolds, they really saw this as an opportunity to comment on the war without really commenting on the war. So uh, a lot of the humor that came, you know, in these first seasons, especially, was from this this realization that we'd gotten ourselves out of a pretty sticky, sticky wicket, you know, in Vietnam. Um, it was a very delicate balance of of wonderfully smart comedy and very sobering drama. You know, spoiler alert: I'll talk about the 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 death of of Henry Blake. I mean, that show was that episode was really funny leading up to the last two minutes, where Radar walked into the 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 operating theater and announced to everybody gathered that Henry Blake had passed yeah. away. I mean, talk about two really yin and yang moments and that's what the show did really well especially in the first five seasons Uh, i would say as the show moved on i think episodes tended to become one or the other rather than a mix of them you and i have had debates for years about the trapper john years versus the bj honeycutt years and and you know, once once I read this kind of description of how the episodes became separate entities, that made more sense than the than the character division. It really became about the episodes being either real social statements or just you know wacky zany comedy, which they were much more of a mix in the earlier in the earlier episodes. Um, again, I, I they did a great job of replacing cast members along the way over eleven seasons. Um, in fact, it was only Alan Alda and and uh, Loretta Swit that were in all 251 episodes okay. it's still one of my favorite shows of all time it's one of those shows that if I see it's running on tv I will stop I will watch it um, it's still entertaining and it's still one of my favorite hikes here in Southern California to watch to walk out in Malibu Canyon to go to the mash set so I absolutely adore mash and it is my number three
1: cannot believe that it's only your number three but that's uh, for another time and place I guess what will you have that's higher than that? My number three is the spinoff to Cheers. I also have Frasier coming higher in my list than Cheers. And I think a lot of the reasons you stated, but it's, it is a recognizable character from a very loved sitcom. So it was a, it was an obvious spinoff and it is an incredibly smart written show and with an incredibly talented cast. And as much as I was hyping up um, Neil Patrick Harris earlier, I would say even more about David Hyde Pierce as Fraser's brother Niles. And oh, yeah. Uh, one of the most brilliant sitcom characters of all time and brilliantly played, I might add. But he's also only that brilliant because Kelsey Grammer is so darn good as Fraser. So the two of them as these erudite, sophisticates, With their blue-collar working father, uh, the ex-cop, played by John Mahoney and wonderfully played by John Mahoney, uh, is such a great, strong trio to build the show off of. And then you throw in uh, Jane Leaves as Daphne, who's terrific and deserves every but as much credit as the guys do, and Perry Gilpin. uh, A lot of great physical comedy in this uh, show. David Hyde Pierce's silent comedy bit that he did in the episode called Three Valentines. He's trying to iron his shirt, and he accidentally starts fire in Frazier's apartment. But it's literally six minutes with no dialogue. That's He's just him doing the thing, and it is mesmerizing. It is so funny and so good, and his facial expressions are so brilliant. And that's just a chance that the show would take, just one of the chances. Um, it always treated its audience with respect. Uh, they treated its audience as smart. Kelsey Grammer said... Uh, a Jack Benny quote applied to the show He said, Jack Benny said to play up to your audience. That was the hallmark of our show. Assume that the audience knows better that they're smarter and the prevailing wisdom thinks that they are. And I agree with it. And that's why they got 37 Emmys, which is a boatload. That's my number
0: three. It is, you know, I give Kelsey Grammer a lot of credit. Um, he was the 800 pound gorilla coming off of, you know, arguably the most popular sitcom of all time at that time and he could have very easily said i want the show to be all about me 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 but he was smart enough to look at the people he had around him and say no this thing's gotta this thing's gotta be an ensemble and again he became that that center to let all the wackiness happen around him granted he took place or he took part in a lot of the wackiness that that happened but but he didn't make it all about him. He let the other characters have their moment, have their time. And thank God he did, because we would have missed out on some terrific performance. Yeah,
1: And I highly recommend that if anybody can find old articles and stuff that read about the, how the cast was put together and Kelsey had a lot of input on that. Also it's, it's, it's really interesting stuff. Great show. All right, here we go. What is your number two? Number two.
0: My number two. no, no sympathetic characters in this show. <laughs> the the catchphrase of the show was no hugging, no learning. It's a show about nothing. And for a show about nothing, it left an incredible impact on American viewing audiences. And this is the 1989 to 1998 comedic series Seinfeld. I mean, this was a show that was a master at taking life's smallest idiosyncrasies, things that we all know far too well and making great comedy out of it. Um, It it was a show that, that, again, was that must-see television back in the 90s. Um, And it could have very easily, along with Friends, uh, which did not make my list, it could have been the most influential comedy of the 90s. Great performances. I love the fact, again, the cast did not turn over. It was also, you know, as we've talked about, very landlocked into Jerry's apartment or into the diner. They really didn't go too many other places. Although I will admit the one episode that took place entirely in a parking structure is one of my favorite shows. But it also gave us some of the most quotable lines of the 90s. All right. There isn't a week that goes by where my girlfriend and I don't walk into a room and look at each other, slap a piece of furniture and go, I'm out. You know, There's shrinkage. There's hello, Newman. No soup for you. And I can go on and on and on and on and on. The only ding I can give this show is that they didn't stick the landing with the finale. I think they overthought the finale. They tried to do too much. Or, you know, again, they followed their heart for, for 171 episodes. They just didn't do it properly in that last episode it shouldn't mar the legacy of the show but that's the only reason i don't put it a little bit higher is they didn't stick the landing with the final so seinfeld is my number two interesting choice uh
1: because it is also my number two <laughs> and you, you just said everything it's uh it's everything you said it was um the one thing i did like about the finale though is the writers, producers, and cast were admitting exactly how despicable the characters were for them just to end up in jail because they really did not have a lot of redeeming qualities. They were very much about self. They were no. you know, a lot of that stuff. But that's what we love because that's what got them into their situations. Uh, amazing cast. Uh, all, all of them. Uh, Michael Richards was an amazing revelation, and uh, he has the awards to prove it. Um, what a quirky character! But
0: delightfully
1: self unaware,
0: yeah. he was great. Yeah.
1: But then even the subordinate characters, the guest stars, like Wayne Knight as Newman and uh, Jerry Stiller and Estelle Harris as, uh, as George's parents. Uh, John R. Hurley as Jay Peterman. And there were some really great actors doing some really good stuff on that show. Oh, yeah. And uh, the episodes like The Contest, the one that you mentioned about them abstaining from sex and Kramer just a, am out. <laughs> and the Soup Nazi episode. Not
0: abstaining from sex. Let's be clear about this. <laughs>
1: Abstaining from
0: self-sex. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs>
1: I'm out. The Soup Nazi episode, uh, the opposite, Bizarro Jerry, yada, yada, the Merv Griffin show where Kramer builds a Merv Griffin set in his apartment. It's it's all weird, quirky, but memorable classic stuff. So, so, so good. Um, and it's all also based off of Jerry's stand-up you know, comedy routines, which most people know. But uh, it's a tribute to him, though, to take the stuff that... He writes about everything and for him to also take that half step back and let the others have their time to shine also in their episodes. So terrific show. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Seinfeld is my number two.
0: And considering we both had Seinfeld at number two, let's give a shout out to Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is essentially the spiritual successor of Seinfeld. They deserve a little shout out as well. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt.
1: That was my number two, which means we're about to go to the number one sitcom on our list, but let's quickly recap each of our lists before
0: we do that. All right. My list so far, number 10, Mary Tyler Moore, number nine, The Monkees, eight, Taxi, seven, Cheers, six, Frasier, five was The Dick Van Dyke Show, four was I Love Lucy, number three was MASH, number two was Seinfeld.
1: And my number 10 was The Office, followed by The Mary Tyler Moore Show, All in the Family, and number eight, number seven, How I Met Your Mother. Parks and Recreation at number six. I Love Lucy at five. Four was Cheers. Three was Frazier. And number two was Seinfeld as well. So that brings us to Kirk Trittner. What was your number
0: one? Number one. My number one is one you've already mentioned. Um, I think it is the most important sitcom of all time, and that's all in the family. Uh, it certainly is one of the most influential sitcoms in history. Uh, it was ranked... Number one, five years in a row um, in the nine seasons, it was on the air it was in the top 10. But this is a show, as you mentioned earlier, Steve, but I don't think it, it's it can be said too much. This was a show that broke ground on so many social issues, and it really opened the door for shows to follow in that vein. I don't think there's a Mary Tyler Moore show without All in the Family. Uh, there certainly right. isn't a Jeffersons, obviously, not only because it's a spinoff, but because of 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 the 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 creative content that was involved in the shows. Um, it broke ground on issues like racism, anti-Semitism, homosexuality, rape, religion. It, you know, the list goes on and on. And all credit to to somebody like Carol O'Connor, who made the Archie Bunker character, who could have been such a, a reviled figure, somebody who was sympathetic as he struggled to learn what he was getting wrong in life and the gentleness that that Gene Stapleton brought to the role of Edith and the counterpoints that, that both Rob Reiner and Sally Struthers brought with their characters as well. It is a, certainly an influential show. And again, I think it is the most important sitcom of all time because everything that we've talked about after that owes something to all in the family.
1: Well said. And I'll give you that it might be the most important sitcom of all time, but it's not the best sitcom of all time. And that is my number one, which you mentioned already, and that is MASH. MASH would be possibly number one for me of series of all time, uh, with maybe a couple exceptions that I could throw in there. Uh, Larry Gelbart and uh, Gene Reynolds outdid themselves when they created this because they, as you mentioned, they took it from. Robert Altman's movie, which was uh, incredibly powerful, and they turned 11 seasons and 256 episodes into something that people weren't sure it was going to be accepted and successful. Uh, Alan Aldo, Wayne Rogers, Loretta Swit, Larry Linville, Gary Berghoff, McLean Stevenson, William Christopher, an amazing original cast, and then the replacements, Mike Farrell, David Ogden Stiers. Jamie Farr, even though he was in the cast earlier, he had a much more prominent role once Gary Berghoff left, and Harry Morgan as Colonel Potter. They so seamlessly traded out characters, and they kept the story going without losing very much in the overall uh, quality. Um, The show is about surviving, both physically and emotionally amidst all the chaos and the war. And how people survive and function and exist in a possible situation. And I think that's what drew me in the most. The fact that it's a horrible, heinous situation they're in. people are dying. They're trying to save lives. There's blood all over. There's stress amongst themselves. And yet there's also humor that they can find in the situations. Uh, people came and they went. And then in the record-breaking finale, it was the most watched show in television history in February of 1983. Amazing show. You talked about it a lot, so I won't talk to you about it. About it anymore but mash is my number one
0: it's a great choice uh again i don't think there are any right choices or wrong choices um for any of the spots on our list i think you can make arguments for all of them um and, and it now does boil down to just those individual personal preferences but it could have been very easy i could have very easily put mash at number one as well yeah
1: yeah and like you said it's it's a tough list to put together as we mentioned before um who were some of your honorable mentions you mentioned before, a lot of the shows that weren't going to be on your list. Uh, yeah. You know, for me, taxi will and grace WKRP in Cincinnati. Happy days. And the Cosby show were really, really strong honorable mentions. They were hard to leave off this list.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, and I'm the same way. I, I ultimately had to get down to, I enjoy all of these shows. Ultimately it got to, okay, what are the ones that made the impact on me? What are the ones I think had impact? But a lot of the shows that you mentioned, you know, I would have loved to have put WKRP in Cincinnati on the list. If for nothing else, the Thanksgiving episode, one episode, I mean, come (laughs) on. So (laughs) me, God, I thought turkeys could fly. I mean, Gordon Jumps character was absolutely (laughs) terrific. Murphy Brown could have very easily been on this list. You know, the, the 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 spiritual successor to Mary Tyler Moore. You know, she became that that show became you know, socially relevant as well. Um, in terms of modern comedies, I wasn't a fan of a lot of them, but I could have put the good place on there very easily. I think it's a smart, simple, devious little comedy. So yeah, there's a lot of shows. The mm-hmm. odd couple. I would have loved to have put the odd couple on here. The original yeah, Tony Randall couple. and and Jack Klugman, yeah. Yeah, you, know, you know, show that that again, you've got Neil Simon, you've got Gary Marshall, you've got all these great people that are involved with it yeah, th- this list could have easily been our top 60. Oh yeah. There's shows like Barney Miller. You yeah. Know,
1: there's a lot, just, you keep coming across things that are just amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, that was our take on the top 10 sitcoms of all time. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back for the guest list segment with this week's special guests. Be right back.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Populist with Stephen Kirk. Uh, It's now time for the guest list, and we'd like to welcome on a new guest, but an old friend.
1: That's right. We have with us Sandy Logan. She's been a casting director for almost 25 years, casting over 65 pilots, 40 series, movies of the week, and theater. She was nominated for an Emmy for the hit show Monk back in 2003 and served as vice president of casting for both ABC Studios and the ABC Network. She currently casts Dynasty, Nancy Drew, and Mr. Iglesias. And we are very happy to have our good friend Sandy Logan. Hi, Sandy.
2: Hello. Hello hey, to Sandys. my two lifelong
1: friends. Hello. <laughs> so glad you could join us. How are you doing? How are you holding up?
2: You know, uh 2020. <laughs> 2020. Is, yeah, it's very challenging in so many ways, but You know, there's a lot of gifts that come with 2020. We have more time to spend with friend, with family, with friends on Zoom. I mean, I'm Zooming more with friends that I haven't seen in years. And I've now seen them four times on Zoom in three months. It's, it's, It's crazy.
0: Well, I, I'm glad you're looking for silver linings. I, I think that you almost, that's the way you have to look at 2020 is silver linings.
2: For sure. I have a beautiful collection of masks. There are many, many colors and many shapes and they're, they match all my clothes, just like buying purses now. And, uh, you know, I save hundreds of dollars by not going to restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've learned how to cook, cook a pot roast. It's weird. like, it's just a weird year.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I normally see Sandy a couple times a year on my different trips down to L.A., and so we've already Zoomed uh, about three times uh, during the pandemic, yeah. Right. So we're a little ahead of schedule, which is great. <laughs> um, question for you. Since uh, you are such an accomplished casting director and you have been doing it so long, when you are casting for a pilot episode, uh, you have all the character descriptions and so forth, but how do you know you have the right person for the role before you show them to the producers.
2: Well, that's a good question. I mean, you, you don't, Ultimately, always know. And sometimes I think I'm the perfect person and I get into the room all excited and, uh, come out and a down or <laughs> like, Oh, I really thought that was okay. Uh, oh, oh, you liked that guy. I went, wow. Didn't expect that to, <laughs> you know, um, and, and because I do both drama and comedy casting and I get asked all the time, what do you like better? Drama or comedy? And I think when you're casting drama, you're trying to find the actor who makes the moment the most interesting. And when you're casting comedy, you're trying to find the guy or girl who makes the joke funniest. And so it's a lot more objective when you're casting comedy because they're either funny or they're not. (laughs) And with drama, it's subjective because I liked that version. Ooh, I liked that version. Oh, I thought it was more interesting when he just stared at her. Oh, I thought it was more interesting when he got angry at her. So you're dealing with two different varieties. So in some ways, comedy is easier because it's it's much more objective. It's right there. But there are a lot less people who could do comedy well.
1: So true.
0: Yeah. You're, you're the only person in the industry, I think, would say that comedy is easier than drama. You know, you go back to the old phrase that, you know, dying is easy. Comedy is hard. I can see what you're saying, that that somebody's funny and you know it. But in That's drama, true. it's like, I like that. I like this. I like that. I like that. It makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, it's still hard to cast comedy because there are so few that really are exceptionally funny. I mean, there's there's funny and then there's I cannot believe how funny this human being is or they bring something unique to the joke that wasn't even written that way. And the writers go crazy. But if you go too far and you rewrite their joke, they hate (laughs) you. So it's the very, very, very thin line that you walk as an actor.
0: Do you have that one person, that one actor, that one actress that you saw, you loved, you went. Home run. Nobody had ever heard of. You took them in, and producers loved them, and you kind of came out and went knew it. knew it, knew it, knew it. It's almost like your discovery,
2: yes, many. But my most recent one was two years ago. um in two thousand and eighteen. I went to a showcase, a theater showcase. They have theater actors from NYU and Yale and Juilliard and Carnegie Mellon and UCSD and UCLA. And they all come out to LA and they do a showcase for casting directors and agents and managers. And I saw this one girl in the Carnegie Mellon showcase and I thought, oh, this girl's really good. And she did a scene from Newsroom. It was so interesting. And afterwards I contacted her manager. I said, well, she's here in LA. Can I meet with her? And we went and had coffee for, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours. It was crazy. She said, I'm going to go to New York and I want to have that experience living in New York. I said, great. I'm going to keep an eye on you. And I sent her a couple of roles that she self-taped in New York for and went on tape. And then a year later, almost to the day, probably 10, 11 months later, I started the Nancy Drew pilot. I thought that could be interesting and then the the, her manager called me from new york and they got her on tape in new york and i loved it and i showed it to the producers the next morning and they loved it and we flew her to la and she tested and she's playing nancy drew
0: what a great feeling that's 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 just got to be a great feeling for you and her
2: it's, it's great for her. It's great for the show. It's great. The producers found someone they can really write to. She embodied the character the way they explained it to me. She did a great audition. So the studio and the network were happy. She is an incredible human being, kind to every actor on that set. She's a leader in every aspect of the war is, you know, being mid twenties and being number one on the call sheet is a lot to carry on shoulders. And she's, she's incredible. Kennedy McMahon, an amazing actress, really, truly.
0: Great story.
1: Absolutely. Well, great story. Good. Love it. So Sandy Logan, casting, (laughs) casting director and television veteran, are you ready to reveal your top 10 for your guest list? The guest list.
2: Yes, um, but I will say a little disclaimer. I have a top uh, 10 and a half because there was a tie for 10. <laughs> Guys, I literally did this list so many times since you asked me to be on this podcast. I have worked on this for hours at a time. And every time I chuck one of the, the shows off the list, which originally was 64 shows, and I've narrowed it down, and every time I chuck one – and then I scribble it out and I start over and say, no, no, it's got to be on the list. No, no, I'm not going to be able to do that because I've got – it was really hard to pick 10. So It is I, hard. I finally got to 21 two days ago and I said, okay, the, I'm just going to have the top 11 or tied for 10, 10, 11, and then the others would be my backup 10. Uh, I can't believe I can't add to my list, but I can't for now.
1: So you're you're going to pull out the special guest courtesy card and actually give us 11 in your top 10. Okay,
2: yes, that's fine. Yes, please.
1: That's what we do for our special guests here. You are definitely allowed to do that. So, <laughs> Thank you. let's Thank you. start with your number 10 or number 10s it sounds like.
2: <laughs> number 10s. Okay, the tie for 10, do you want me to say them both or one at a time?
1: Whichever way you want. Okay,
2: I would say the, I would say the top the tie for 10 All in the Family, and Brady Bunch.
1: Oh, good. I agree. Brady Bunch came very close. It did not make my list, but it was right there. It's it's an important show with the, the history of television. It's an important
2: show, and it's also a show, you know, we'll get to some of the other shows that are water cooler moments or whatever, but it's a show that if I say pork chops and applesauce, there are a lot of people in the world that know what I'm talking about. And if I say, oh, my nose... People know what I'm talking about. Don't play ball in the house. People know what I'm talking
0: Marcia, about. Marsha, Marsha,
2: Marsha, 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 Marsha. Right. So there, there's so many parts of that show, and you know, it, it still reruns on television, and it, it's on Sunday, so I tape it every Sunday and I watch some old episodes. And it's still got a lot of heart to it, and it's still got a lot of lessons that were that i watched as a kid and uh watching that that show and realizing this is also a mixed family it was you know parents that were bringing children from another marriage and that was still new in the 60s and 70s so uh yeah definitely worthy of of top 10
1: absolutely both good choices what's your number 9
2: number 9 is mash uh it's one it's super funny uh, two, you know, it came out in a time where we were just coming out of the Vietnam War and there was nothing to laugh about. And they made us laugh. And, it, you know, it was the precursor to scrubs, you know, the, the comedy hospital shows, because all they had back then was emergency and Marcus Welby and these like dark, heavy shows. And we could laugh even when people were dying. We had the ability to find humor in these guys who were now you look at 2020 COVID, you know, health workers are the greatest heroes of our, of our country right now. And that's what mash was. It was allowing us to have people that cheer us up doing something. That's so uh, sometimes sad. Mm
0: -hmm. Mash made my list. Uh, My question would be, is it fair to say that mash could have been the first dramedy
2: in some ways? For sure. For sure. I think that there's a, It had a lot more dramatic moments than most comedies did back then, for sure.
0: That's the balance they walked. And
1: God knows Alan Alda fought for that. He wanted no laugh track, and he felt very strongly about that.
2: Yeah. And then they put Jamie Farr in there, and it just lightened up everything.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, Chiffon will do that.
1: (laughs) What is your number eight?
2: Number eight, The Jeffersons. Nice. And I put an asterisk next to it because I say the asterisk is Sanford and Son, good times, leading to Cosby show. Like being able to, when I, I watched The Jeffersons when it was on, and I, Isabel Sanford is genius. She's genius. And so being able to watch that show and not think of it as a black family, but rather as a funny family Mm-hmm. And it's the same with Cosby show. When that came out in the eighties, it reinvigorated all of comedy. I know it's weird now with Bill Cosby and what ended up happening with him, but, but those shows really allowed us to say, it doesn't matter if it's a black family, a white family, uh, a, a Latinx family. What matters is it's a family and they're funny and they're fun to watch. And those relationships are cool. And they're just like my family.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Jefferson's was definitely came so close to my list. Love that show. Still love that show. It's one of those things that if I'm flipping through the channels that it's on, I end up watching all the time.
2: Yep.
0: And one of the rare spin-off shows that actually lasts longer than the the mothership, than all in the family did. That's
2: right. That's right.
0: What about number seven?
2: Number seven, Mary Tyler Moore. Mary Tyler Moore, uh you know, same same beliefs in how it gave us something to look at, which was a working woman, a woman who was in control. She was independent. She didn't need to be married. She didn't have kids. She was successful. She talked down to her boss at times. She put Lou, you know, in his place. Uh, um, and, you know, the only thing really before that, there were, there were a few uh, television shows, but for the most part, maybe that girl would be before it. Mm-hmm. which wasn't mm-hmm. as successful. But other than that, it led to shows like Murphy Brown. It led to shows like 30 rock. It led to shows that allowed us to say the boss who sits in the boss's chair isn't always the boss. Mm-hmm. And, uh and a woman, if she's yelling at someone or taking control, doesn't mean she's, you know, wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it was super funny. I mean, it it was a super, super funny show yeah. and created, I mean, Ted and You know, everybody on that show was just so funny.
1: Oh, it made my list as well. I I can't think higher of it. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah.
2: And spinoffs. Talk about spinoffs. Yeah, I'll
0: I'll complete the hat trick. I have got it. I had it on my list, too.
1: And Rhoda was a strong, strong, strong spinoff of consideration on my list. Didn't make the top 10, but another great show. Not Phyllis? No. (laughs) (laughs) What about your number six?
2: Okay, so number six is going to throw you for a loop, guys.
1: Uh oh. Because it's
2: really, I really was thinking outside the box, but it had to be in the top 10. It absolutely had to be in the top 10. The Simpsons. Oh, you
1: went animated on us. We're going to do a whole animated show.
2: I did go animated because originally when I started this list and you said sitcoms, I went for multi camera traditional sitcom and then all of a sudden it started to open up a little bit more to single camera when I wrote mash right and then I started to think well, what else is a comedy that really when we were talking about this you said it's the the important not necessarily my favorites but the ones that should be on a top 10 list and the Simpsons should be there the Simpsons have been on for 32 years the Simpsons have led us to Family Guy and Cleveland Show and Beavis and Butthead, which I still love. It didn't make the top 10, but I, I love Beavis and Butthead. Um, but you know, all of those shows came from The Simpsons and the ability to do a half-hour animated show that you could watch every week and that 32 years later is still funny.
0: Very good. I would agree. I, you know, that that was one of those shows that bounced back and forth for me. I, you know, I am I ultimately put it in my pocket so if we ever did an animated list i could throw it in there but you cannot not acknowledge the simpsons the impact that they've had how they've changed over the many years uh but have still remained true to themselves Uh, i just it's a terrific show i completely agree with it being in your top 10 all right, so what's number five?
2: Okay, we're in the top five. This is important. Uh, we really get down to the nitty-gritty. This was this was tough. This this order kept changing, but I would say number five, Happy Days. Nice. Number five is Happy Days. One, you know, my my hero, and uh, uh, lucky to have called him my friend, Gary Marshall, created this show. Uh, it is the first sitcom. I don't know if you guys know this or not. You probably do, but it was the first sitcom ever to have a four-camera shoot. Mm-hmm. And that, do you know the story behind that?
1: I know a little bit, please. I know a lot of our listeners don't, yeah.
2: Here's how it came about, is they had uh, Robin Williams come on as Mork, and he was so animated and jumping all over the place, they brought in a fourth camera to just follow Robin Williams.
0: Ah, okay. And that,
2: that was sort of the, uh, the launch of the four-camera shoot. And it was also genius. And it was in the seventies when again, the world was kind of in turmoil and we got to go back to the fifties where everything was okay. And all of a sudden saying, and sit on it and <laughs> jump the shark and all these things that, that came out of that show. We all, I mean, all the girls, we all wanted to be pinky Tuscadero, you know, it's, it's just, it was just a different time. You could really escape into television. It was the ultimate escapism.
1: Absolutely. It- Great piece of Americana. I love that
0: show. Good choice. Yeah, and I'm actually, the story I was thinking of was that Happy Days was actually a single camera show for the first season.
2: The first season.
0: And then at the end of the second season, they said, let's try it in front of a studio audience. That's right. And that's what it turned more into the, the traditional sitcom as we know now. That's And I, I think it
2: got funnier because the first season is not hilarious. But yeah, we're worth, worth the top five for sure.
0: All right. Number four?
2: Number four, one of the greatest comedies ever in the history of television is Cheers. It is a perfect sitcom. It's a perfect show. The casting was perfect. Every time they hit a bump in the road when Coach died and they brought in Woody Harrelson, it was seamless. And when Shelley Long left and Kirstie Alley came in, it was seamless. And when they added Frasier, it was seamless. And that show was able to morph itself so many times. Don't talk about the spinoff on that one because other than Frasier, the other one was not so good. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to see Carla's family, you know. Um, but but it, it really it made you laugh. It made you feel like homey, like there was a place, that you know, where everybody knows your name. Who wouldn't want to hang out in a place like that? Love it.
1: Absolutely. Great show. Always near and dear to my heart. And I love those. The stories also where John Ratzenberger initially was was Cliff was just going to be a one episode guy. He was just going to show up. He had a bit and they loved him so much. And then they just wrote him in, wrote him. And the next thing you knew, he was never leaving. Great, great show. What about number three?
2: Number three. Okay. One of my favorite shows of all time. I love this show. It is not on repeats anywhere. I can't find it, but I sure wish I could. I would watch it over and over it is soap.
1: Nice. I'm so glad somebody put this on their list.
2: <laughs> I love that show. And when they did that show, there were no speaking from a casting director. There were no famous people on that show. Uh, Richard Mulligan, Katherine Hellman, Billy Crystal's first big break. Really? Uh, Ted Wass, who I am very happy and lucky to call a friend. I've worked with him on many, many shows as a, he's a director. Um, and Jennifer Salt, who turned into be this amazing, incredible writer of television. And Robert Guillaume, Robert Guillaume, uh, uh, Jay Johnston, like just throw it out to the ventriloquist. You know, like it was just a weird show that was not so weird that you couldn't connect to it. I mean, Richard Mulligan would just sit there, snap his fingers, and then he thought he was invisible. And I think that's hilarious. <laughs> this is, no show does that. It's a, it's a genius show. And it also was the first gay character on television uh, with right, Crystal's right. character. And it opened the door to being able to do shows like Will and Grace. It was more accepted, I think. And that was that was very risky to do. If you think about, you know, you know in the 1970s, it wasn't... Um, Popular to do that necessarily, but worked out.
0: It's hard to believe now, but when that show first aired, if I'm remembering this right, when that show first aired, it actually had a parental guidance warning on it. Is that right? Yeah. It was one of those, you know, due to mature subject matter, you know, I was like 13 or 14. It was like, that's like catnip. (laughs) You're not, not going to watch that show now. It's got a parental warning on it, but you look back now and go, are you kidding me? This is G rated stuff.
2: Yeah, this would not be on HBO.
1: Yeah, that show along with uh, another one of my shows have some of the biggest laughs I've ever had in a sitcom ever just some of the individual bits that they did when they were all sitting around the, the guys are all sitting around the table and Chuck and Bob are there and the, the dummy's getting sick and he's about to throw <laughs> up and he ends up passing out as they all leave and they stick him with a bar bartender bill it's just ingenious stuff it's hilarious yes. hilarious show. Good choice. Here we are down to your top two, the big ones. What's number two for Sandy Logan?
2: Number two is uh, probably a lot of people's number two or number one or number three is Friends. It's such a good show. It lasts over time. It's still on. I still watch it. It makes me laugh. There are so many episodes we remember from it. If I say we were on a break one more time with my sister, like we did that every, all the time. It, it's There's so many moments from that show. And it, it it also, what's so interesting about that show is they didn't really rely on the guest stars like so many other sitcoms did. Um, you know, one of the shows that did not make my list that's down, you know, in the other part that I, I felt bad leaving, but I did, is Gilligan's Island because- they were able to do a show with just their core group. I mean, the Harlem Globetrotters right. trotters showed up one time. But other than that, Gilligan's Island was just the, <laughs> the, the people who were on that boat, the seven people. And I think Friends did the same thing where the majority of their storytelling really were the six of them. And it, mm-hmm. and they were successful at it. and And it's funny. And it's memorable. And 20 years later, you watch one of those episodes and it's still just as funny.
0: It's very, to me, it's very much like cheers in that respect. You've got your core group. They play off each other. Well, you've got a couple of settings, mainly the coffee shop, and the apartment, and that was 90% of the show and they, and they made it work really, really well.
2: They did successful
1: and alas, don't think any worse of me, but it did not make my list at all.
2: I wouldn't think it would Steve.
1: But that's the thing. This is, it's very subjective. It's it's your particular science yeah. on things. And Friends it is in my honorable mention. It's not that, you know, I didn't like the show. I like the show tremendously. But as you said, it's tough to put some of these lists for together. Sure. I had the same problem last week with the rock bands. It was hard to eliminate oh, some yeah. of these. Yeah, for groups. sure. Uh, so, all your work and effort trying to pare down your list of 2000 down to 11. <laughs> what is your number one? Well, here's
2: the thing about number one I never pared it down. I put it as number one, and throughout the last week and a half of working on this list, it has stayed at number one. Is I Love Lucy.
0: <laughs> of course.
2: I Love Lucy is the quintessential definition of a situation comedy. They're in situations, and it's funny. And it is a core group of people, but the guesters made each episode individual and unique. Anything from, you know, the, the people at the Copacabana Club or the, you know, John Wayne or whoever it is that was on the episode or their trip to California. Then all of a sudden they have a baby and there's, you know, little Desi, like they're just every, a little Ricky, everything about that show was unique. It was the first major sitcom. And what's also so fascinating about this show is Lucille Ball herself, Lucy and Desi took ownership of their product, which, so many of these other shows really didn't go to that extent, but they really took ownership. They created Desilu productions. They created and developed and designed a show that they wanted to not only control, but own. And because of that, Desilu productions went on to do Steve, something I'm sure is on your drama list, star Trek, right. (laughs) Um, And, and create this whole realm of television because of what they set up back in the fifties, which back then was very simplistic television and some of those episodes were very complex and yet the humor is undeniable
1: for sure one of the greatest star vehicle platforms ever made it's amazing and it's definitely to me the mother of modern sitcoms oh yeah very 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 important show in all of television let alone comedies great choice
2: well you talk about you talk about casting a comedy when someone like Lucille Ball walks into a room and does what she does In the room. And I've seen it a few times in casting sessions where someone is just so outrageously funny that we're laughing so hard we miss some of the dialogue. And that's what she did. She was fearless in her comedy. It didn't matter if she looked stupid. Oh, I know. She was fearless. And it was, that was genius television. Genius.
1: Well, that's an excellent choice, and uh, that's an excellent list altogether, but we would expect nothing less from you, Sandy Logan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, there's a few things that did not make my list that I'm just going to throw out there.
1: Please do. We always do also.
2: Okay. Here are the few that are on my backup list, but I really think should have, honor- like you said, honorable mention, right? V, The Office, Seinfeld, Taxi, It's Gary Shandling Show, which almost made the top 10 Mm -hmm. Chico and the man. I love that show so much. I can't stand it. (laughs) Uh, Modern family, Dick Van Dyke, faulty towers.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh yes.
2: And get smart.
1: Yep.
0: Oh yeah. I played around with get smart. Also all been in the hopper over the last couple of weeks. All right, Sandy. So to review your list, all the family and Brady bunch tied for 10 mash, Jefferson's, Mary Tyler Moore, Simpsons, Happy Days, Cheers, Soap, Friends, I Love Lucy, Blindside. And now here comes the blind side. Uh-oh. Steve, Sandy, from your list, from these shows, what are the top five spinoffs?
2: Uh, I would say from Happy Days, it would be Laverne and Shirley. Uh, for Cheers, it would be Frasier. Jefferson's, it would be Benson. Did that come from Jefferson's? I think it did, right?
0: I think that came from Soap. Oh, that came from Soap. That
2: came from Soap. No, Jefferson's yeah. was before that in the 70s. Jefferson's was, was there a spinoff? Of and that? you
0: can have more than Is one a- from a show if you want to include Mork and Mindy from Happy Days.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, then I would do Mork and Mindy. I would do Laverne and Shirley. I don't think I would do Joni Loves Chachi. I'm going to leave that one off. Uh, but yeah, Cheers was basically Frasier jefferson's I, jefferson's was a spinoff of all in the family so i'm not sure there was a spin yeah, i don't think Jeff there
1: text. was either just like i i don't remember one for i love lucy was there no uh
2: well there was the lucy show that came afterwards yeah and then yeah. i don't know that there was a spinoff of friends um, no
1: well actually uh friends did have the spinoff didn't sure. it with, with matt leblanc didn't wasn't it short lived? Uh, oh, Joey, Joey, yeah, Joey, that's right. Yeah. Joey. Yeah. That's yeah. right. All right, because, Steve, what about you? Because well, I had spinoffs. I love Lucy also, so we just talked about that. Uh, Cheers, obviously, is Frazier, but then in my top five is also Frazier, and uh, I don't know of a spinoff from that one, so I'm a little stuck there. Uh, Seinfeld, uh, was there a si- any spinoffs for Seinfeld? I know they were like discussed. a Stanza
2: show. No, I don't think.
1: Eh. So. No, yeah. <laughs> And then Mash, uh, Trapper John, MD, I think would be the the best of those.
2: Um, After Mash was not bad, I have to tell you. Yeah,
0: it wasn't bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Well, that yeah, that's a good twist on that. I mean, it's amazing how many spinoffs you know come because I was I was really thinking along the All in the Family, you know, family tree. Because you do get the Jeffersons, you also got Maude, which then gave you Good Times.
2: Good times.
0: You know, there there. you know, you also had uh, uh Sally Struthers was spun off into a show Gloria called Gloria. Yeah. Archie Bunker's Place mm-hmm. could have been a spin-off. Yeah. I mean, there is a huge family tree there.
1: No, yes. definitely. I think that and the Mary Tyler Moore show both are maybe the leading contenders for true spin-offs uh, of what those shows Absolutely. generated. Well, that was great. Well, Sandy Logan, yeah. thank you so much for your list, and thank you so much for taking the time to join us and visit us here sure. on Populist. You are our third guest. You were in the top three. <laughs> yes, I made the top
2: three. Yes. <laughs> I wonder what my spinoff is going to be. I can't wait to
0: see. Well, we appreciate all the time and effort. It was a great list, and and it's always a blast to talk with you about this. Stuff.
2: Oh well, you know, you guys have been in my life since I was twenty years old, and I'm now so 30, five years I'm now thirty. Uh, yeah, and uh, and I think about those days often and. You know, it's not often that you have friends in your life that you don't see for a year and then you see them and it's as if you saw them two days ago. Um,
1: I know. Exactly. Absolutely. We feel the same way and we look forward to the next time that we get together, just either personally or for on the show. But hopefully the get together personally will come first.
2: Probably on Zoom. That's right. (laughs) For
1: the few months. Absolutely. But Be well, you guys.
2: Stay safe. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. Absolutely. All of the above. Thanks, Andy. Love you. Watch TV.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: right. Well, that was great. It's always great to see Sandy, and I knew she'd be good for uh, this particular show because, man, she has done it and seen it all in the world of television and casting.
0: She really has, and and you know she's always been just someone who's great to talk with, to talk to, and, and so happy we could get her on the show.
1: Thanks, Sandy. Well, that did it for uh, the guest list, which brings us to our next segment the populist and on the populist we had uh, more of you the listeners vote on our poll this week so the trend uh, the numbers keep going up we thank you for that tell your friends to go vote next time we just want more and more because the more people get involved and give us feedback the more we like it so the populist list this week was at number 10 a tie for the cosby show and the jeffersons uh, both great shows, both mentioned uh, a little earlier. Here, Sandy had Jefferson's high on her list. Uh, number nine was Will and Grace. Number eight was Modern Family. Number seven was another tie between All in the Family and Parks and Rec. Wow, talk about two ends of the spectrum there. Uh, old show, new show. Uh, number I'm six... Like Sandy's, but her tie was All in the Family and Brady Bunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the nice show and the crotchety bigot. <laughs> Um, number six was the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Number five was another tie between I Love Lucy and Frazier. Number four was Cheers. Number three, The Office. Number two, Seinfeld. And number one, MASH. I think you and I tend to agree with that number one there. Well, it didn't make my number one, but it's I up know, there. But I was just trying to get you to change your mind. <laughs> oh. Well, folks, that about does it here, but we do want to add one more new segment that we have called The A-List. And The A-List is a segment where we name a person making a positive impact on the world today uh, just to bring a little more positivity to our world. And Kirk, who is your A-Lister?
0: My A-Lister for, for this episode is uh, a 21-year-old Ironman athlete by the name of Chris Nickick. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. But just a week or so ago, he became the first triathlete with Down syndrome to complete the Ironman triathlon. Incredible effort. Uh, huge shout out to all the people that worked with him. And and the, the whole beauty of it was, as he said, the idea was, it's all about inclusion. Anybody can do anything. And he wanted to be the person to show others what was possible. And I just think that's absolutely terrific. So Chris Nickick, Nickick, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. You are on my A-list. Yeah, that's an
1: amazing story, um, man. We're going for young uh, people who are blazing trails. My A-lister is an 18 year old uh, teenage girl who is going to be possibly the uh, the one of the first astronauts to go on Mars. She has her name is Alyssa Car- Carlson, and she's completed every single of the space camp training uh, platforms on her way up to formal NASA training for this program. Uh, She is on the short track to become one of the astronauts uh, that will actually go to Mars. She definitely has her eyes set on that and she's doing great things for teenagers and for young women. And uh, I like this segment. I think it's something we're gonna do. Good choice. You too. Um, So anyway, thanks for joining us again. Uh, We appreciate each and every one of our listeners. Uh, We do this for you even more than we do it for ourselves. (laughs) And uh, we normally release new episodes on or about the 1st, 11th, or 21st of each month. But uh, once in a while, when a topic is too big for one show, we will have a specialty month where we tackle a single subject by breaking it down into four weeks of subtopics. So we really try to cover more than just the main topic. We get down into multiple angles. And January is going to be the first specialty month, and we'll reveal the topic on our next episode. Ooh, what do you think about that, Kirk? I like that.
0: I don't even know what it is. Can I put a list together?
1: <laughs> well, you, I think you know what the short list is, but <laughs> we will make that determination and we will tell everybody else on our next show. So look for us wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, we're a member of the Bus Grout community and we are a Vintage Year production. And I know Kirk's going
0: to join me in saying, Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Stay safe. As Sandy said, wear a mask, and we will see you on the next episode.
1: Which will be Best Classic Cocktails. So go to our website at populistpodcast.net and vote. Tell your friends. Let them vote. Vote as often as you want right now. There are no restrictions. We will take your votes. Bye-bye, everybody. Cheers.